Welcome to season three, episode two of Burner Talk. You are now listening to the podcast that keeps it real all the time. I'm your host, Jay, back with another episode where we have relatable and potentially outrageous takes. I have for you guys two familiar faces that are making their second appearances on Burner Talk. Let's welcome back Marshall to the show. He's one of my very first guests to ever be a part of the pod, and I'm super glad that he was able to make it back on. Say what's up to the Burns Hawk audience, plug any social media you want, and tell us how you're feeling today, Marshall. Hello. I'm happy to be back on the podcast. I love talking sports, and thank you for the opportunity. Yeah, glad to have you back on, man. And also, fun facts, I don't know if you realize this, but it's been an exact year to the date when you last came on. Yes, um, they were popping up my memories, me sending the link out to everyone. Yes, sir. Yeah, I guess it was destiny for him to come back on today. Just want to throw that out there, but... Glad to have you back. And our next guest is super crucial to the success of Burner Talk, and my episodes won't be turning out without his assistance. He's an official Burner Talk correspondent along with Tommy. He hasn't been a guest since August, but he's finally back. Welcome back to the show, AJ. Say what's up to the audience. Plug any social media and let us know how you're feeling today. Appreciate it, man. Yeah, my name is AJ Somayan. I usually edit the audio for the episodes, but today I am a guest. Uh, you can find my social media it's at AJ Somayan. I spelled A-J-S-O-M-E-I-L-L-A-N. All right, man. Welcome back to the show, brother. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, man. Of course. Today, we're going to talk about the CFP championship, which is obviously tomorrow. But before I get into that, I want to establish some things. So, AJ, I know you're a Gator, obviously. Yes, sir. Yeah. How are your experiences at the games this year, even though... Uh, Florida was in a struggle yeah so honestly the games were like such a great experience because I actually didn't go last year due to the whole like COVID mess and everything but I did end up going to the games this year and most of the games are really really fun but probably uh, the one that was the most fun and it's kind of interesting because we're talking about it today it was the Alabama versus Florida game at that point Florida was still ranked number 10 we were doing really good and that was such a close game there was like 90,000 people in the stadium. Every every down was so, so, so loud. And the energy was just so intensely high. And honestly, it looked like, you know, UF was going to win for a moment. So obviously that was really exciting too, but we fell short, unfortunately. Yeah, after watching that game, it looked like the Swamp is just such a fun experience. And unfortunately, I've never uh, been able to go to the Swamp to experience a UF game, but the Alabama game, it looked really loud. And I, I know you were there. And that was back when Florida looked like they were decent until the fall off uh, begun after that. So, yeah, I mean, the swamp is just such like an electrifying place to be at. And I would imagine the same thing to like play out for the game for, for the players. If I recall correctly, I think Saban um, said something after the game. He was like, you know, swamp is just one of those places that's it's incredibly hard to play at. And he even referenced specifically the crowd that day that it was so loud, like Alabama got like an incredible like six, seven false starts throughout the game just because of how loud the crowd was. Yeah, it's unfortunate we couldn't pull that game out. And it's annoying to even bring it back up because I remember it seemed like every time we got Bama in a third down situation, they converted it every single time. Yeah, man, that was that was really brutal. Um, obviously, <laughs> like, you know, giving up those third downs is something that is so crucial. And we just gave them up. It felt like, like you said, it felt like every single time they went up there. 
And Marshall, I don't recall which team you're a fan of. Is it Bama? No, I'm a Kentucky fan. Huge UK fan. Kentucky fan. Okay, okay. That's interesting because we lost to Kentucky. So what were your thoughts on that game? On that game, I feel like we should honestly, I feel like we should have won that game more handily. You guys had eight opportunities inside of our 10-yard line. You guys gave up 15 penalties that game, which ended up being crucial, but we were also not playing the cleanest game of all time. But I'm just happy we won. Got a lot of bragging rights with a lot of friends there living in Florida my whole life. I go to college in Florida, so it felt good. It felt really good, but aggravating game to watch like a lot of our wins this past season. And Kentucky, they just played Iowa in the bowl game, correct? Did they win that game? Yes, sir. I was at the game in Orlando. Beautiful. I think there was three minutes and 38 seconds left in the game. We had no timeouts, dead in the water. Kentucky fans were starting to leave. And then one Dale Robinson comes out of nowhere, 52-yard reception, rest is history. Yeah, it's unfortunate that – you know, Mullen, he lost to Kentucky twice in his tenure, and we hadn't lost to Kentucky in what – I don't remember the record. I think it was 30 years about. I don't know if you remember, AJ. I actually have it pulled up right here. Um, UF is actually 53-19 and 19 against Kentucky, um, which definitely hurts now that we've lost to them. Uh, we did lose them, apparently, I'm seeing right here in 2018. But yes. before that loss, we hadn't lost them since 1986. Which is, yeah, that's insane. And I, yeah. I honestly think when we lost to Kentucky, I think that was part of the nail in the, the coffin for Dan Mullen. No offense, Marshall. But when it comes to Florida and K Kentucky, it just seems like that's a scheduled win every year, or it has been for the past two to three decades? Yeah, I mean, we were on a 31-game win streak prior to that 2018 loss. So, I mean, I, I would say it's a fair assessment to say that it's like, I guess, until recently, uh, you know, a pretty secured win. And I'd say it's, I, it's tough to say it's a secured win now because since the start of this college football playoff era, I'm pretty sure Kentucky and Florida are neck and neck with SEC wins. And really, ever since 2014, that season where Stoops had the really good recruiting class come in, his first recruiting class, ever since then, we've played close games back and forth. So I wouldn't say the last two, three decades, it's a guaranteed win, but I'd say like as of the last 10 seasons, seven, eight seasons or so, it's been a close game. Yeah, I get that for sure. And... I think it was 2014 when Kentucky came to the swamp and I'm pretty sure they should have won, but like the clock ran out and Jeff Driscoll, he snapped it late and then we scored and won the game. I don't know if you guys remember that. Yeah. Yep, yeah. I do. 2014 at, at the swamp, we won in overtime 36 to 30. Yeah. It was triple overtime and you, you yeah. guys didn't get the ball snapped and that was crazy that was insane that it wasn't called dead there <laughs> yeah that was a pretty crazy game for sure man I, I was scared for my life because at that point I had just never experienced 
Florida losing to Kentucky. And, I mean, we technically lost that game. So it was just weird, you know, seeing them fall to a team. It was, I mean, it's cool seeing Kentucky, like, get better. And I also have connections with UK as well. So I'm proud of that program. But, yeah, I think it's definitely becoming neck and neck. And now especially that we have Billy Napier coming in and we're resetting the program once again. Uh, you know, Kentucky's doing big things in the East with uh, Stoops. Yeah, man, I'm I'm really excited for Napier. Um, I, I don't think it's going to be kind of an instant, like he comes in, we're, you know, one of the best teams in the SEC. I think it's going to be like a long process. But I think, uh, you know, hopefully maybe like two years down the line, we can be a really strong program. I mean, Napier's bringing in this, in this massive staff. Like if you follow the the Florida Gators on, on Twitter, like every day they're announcing a new person and a new person. And it's kind of crazy, like, the magnitude and the size of that staff that you bring in. Yeah, and also the recruiting class. I just saw he brought in a five-star. I don't recall his name, but I thought I saw a stat that said Mullen was really struggling to bring in five-stars, and then all of a sudden we get Billy Napier, and he brings in a five-star within two weeks. Yeah, that, that was right. We, we actually brought in Kamari Wilson, um, who's a safety from IMG Academy here in Florida. Right. And he was actually like, apparently all the experts said he was going to go to Georgia, like for sure, for sure. And then on the day he announced, he announced he was going to UF, which is crazy because like you said, Dan Willen actually struggled a lot getting five stars. And I mean, you know, less than two weeks into Napier's announcement, we have, you know, a five-star in Kamari Wilson and we just got a four-star running back, uh, I think yesterday or the day before. Yes, we got Trevor Etienne, I think is his name. He, yeah. I'm not, yeah, I'm not sure if he's the brother to um, Travis yeah, Etienne. He's, he's a younger brother. Oh, yeah, younger brother to Travis, who played at Clemson, and he was a great running back there. So, yeah, yeah, I'm excited to bring him in, and I honestly wasn't expecting him, expecting to get him. I thought he would follow in his brother's footsteps, but that's a huge pickup. Yeah, I mean, he had Clemson, LSU, and UF in his top three. And like you said, like, I was so confident he was going to go to Clemson. And then all of a sudden, he commits to UF, so, which is pretty awesome to see. And, Marshall, I see on Kentucky that you guys have a few four-stars. You got four four-stars and a bunch of three-stars. How's your recruiting process going so far? Do you like what you're seeing? Yes, with the early signing period, depending on what recruiting site you're looking at, for ESPN, we were like, I believe we are 13th in recruiting overall in the country. We did land the five-star offensive tackle. I'm looking at it right now on Rivals. Um, Keontae Goodwin, he's a yeah five-star offensive tackle, 6'8", 340, um, Indiana. We got him. We also landed, a, like I said, it depends on what recruiting site you're looking, on, looking at, but we got that five-star athlete from Tennessee, um, Barry on Brown. He's a four-star on Rivals, but on other recruiting sites, he's a five-star. So I think as long as we're getting Will Levis help, then we should be good for next season, and we can mimic seasons like we had last year and maybe even get better. And is Wondell Robinson, is he coming back or is he gone? He, he declared a couple days ago for the draft. Yeah, I know he was a crucial part to that team, and also Benny Snell, obviously, that's a big hole to have to fill. So. Yeah, if you guys can continue to do that, and I'm, I'm sure you will bring in recruits with uh, Mark Stoops' prowess. Yeah, I'm just hoping that UF can keep up at this point. 
And that's something I was going to ask you guys. I don't know much about Billy Napier. I know he was the head coach at ULL and he brought that program to life, but does he have any experience with any power five schools or recruiting with like the bigger schools in the South? Billy Napier, he was an assistant under Nick Saban, I'm pretty sure. And he also worked with Dabo Sweeney. I'm not exactly sure which position he was, but I know he's been under the branch of those guys. And he also has a history with bringing in recruits from uh, the Southern states. So I think he has tie-ins there. And that's a big reason why our recruiting class so far has gotten off to a good start. And that just gives me hope for next year to bring in more talent as I think Florida should have, because a few weeks ago, I think I showed AJ, maybe we were like 60th or something or 70th. I don't know. It was bad. Yeah, we were, we were really down bad, but you know, with Kamari Wilson and now, um, I, I really don't know how to pronounce his last name, but the four-star running back, Etienne or whatever. Yeah, um, Etienne. Yeah, Etienne, yeah. I mean, with them too, I mean, we've – I don't know the exact number we're in, but we've definitely shot up since like number 70 or something like that. So, yeah, to answer your question, he he does have those ties. Um, a lot of people were a bit skeptical of his hiring because he was coming from a smaller school in UL Monroe, but – yeah, I, I did some research on him before, and looking now, it says he he worked as a tight ends coach at Florida State when Florida State beat Auburn in the championship in 2013. And he was also with Alabama for four years and Arizona State, and he was with Clemson working with Davos Sweeney before that. So, yeah, he, he definitely has ties, Marshall. All right, that's another thing that's like, that's been concerning with like these mid-major coaches moving up into SEC schools like Brian Harson's. Like that, I remember that was a big question mark for him was the recruiting connections, and now people are already calling for him. So that's just something that's that I look at whenever I look at mid-major coaches going to the bigger schools. Yeah, I mean, from what I've seen so far, he's doing a great job, and it seems like. Everyone that's taken a visit, they seem to have love for him, and it feels like he fits in like he's a younger coach. So, yeah, I think – yeah, he's, he's only 42. So I think him just bringing that energy back to Gainesville. And also you saw what he did at ULM. They were a winning program for the time he was there. I think it was four years. I think – He's going to bring that energy to Gainesville. And we've heard the term scared money don't make no money. Yeah, I do understand like what Marshall's saying, though. Like definitely, um, I, at least for me, like I've always been a little worried about bringing in uh, these coaches who aren't really working for these, you know, as uh, power five or like SEC schools and such. So I, I do understand that because I do think that sometimes coaches, I mean, programs can get a little carried away with signing someone like that however I do believe that Billy Napier like like you said he has experience before under Nick Saban Dabo Sweeney um he's been doing good so far with the recruiting and everything and like you said he's done really well historically um at signing like those southern prospects from like Louisiana and stuff so I'm feeling pretty confident and I think he gets a few years to prove himself here and yeah that, that's understandable to be skeptical of a coach from a mid-major, but I think his experience before that and the influences 
he's had that he'll just translate it over to here. And also another thing we've seen coaches like this before have success. Um, one example, I don't remember his name, but it was with central Michigan. I think the road, the boat, if you guys know what I'm talking about, but PJ Fleck. Yeah. Yes. PJ Fleck. Uh, that was just one example I had. I think he did a great job transitioning from that. And so I think just because you worked at a mid-major doesn't mean it'll translate over to a bigger school. And so, and like AJ was saying, I think you have to give them time because with these bigger schools, they're not giving these coaches enough time to gel, bring in their new recruits, their new classes. Uh, that's just the way I see it. I feel like you have to give them time to really implement their schemes, uh, their philosophy in order to build a program. That's just the way I see it. They're not giving them enough time. So hopefully they do give Billy Napier an ample amount of time to see what he can do. And yeah, like we were saying earlier, he's bringing in his re recruits already. I believe, I don't think that just because you went mid-major, you can't um, coach well. I mean, look at Josh Heupel um, this past season, went from UCF and then Tennessee hired him and everyone was angry about that hire saying it was like the third or fourth best guy they could have got. And he, now he's starting to turn around the volunteers already after everyone picked them to be one of the worst teams in the SEC. Yeah, sometimes it's the underlooked coaches that you got to look out for. I feel like they have more of a chip on their shoulder, don't you think? Yeah, no, I was going to say, like, I totally agree. Like, having those mid-major coaches coming in, like, they have that chip on their shoulder. They have that drive to succeed because they know that this is probably the only chance they're going to get at a power five school because if they fail um they're probably not going to get another opportunity here um so yeah i think someone like billy napier like he's here to prove himself and i'm sure he wants us more than anyone so i'm pretty confident in his ability to do so yeah and they they definitely feel like they always have someone looking over their shoulder because they know what they've been through before and you know they're just blessed to have this opportunity to work for a school such as florida or oregon whatever the case may be so, you know, I, I think they try their 100, try to give it their all because, yeah, like AJ said, it might not be their last opportunity. And to transition, we were talking about uh, Nick Saban and coaches being under branches. We got the CFP championship, and he's going up against the coach who was also a assistant under him and Kirby Smart. So this is a rematch of the SEC championship game, which Georgia got blown out. I don't know. Did you guys expect that in the SEC championship? Honestly, um, I, just because I you, you kind of cut out for a second, are you referencing how Georgia uh, completely like just demolished uh, Michigan in the semifinals or no? Where Alabama destroyed Georgia. Oh, okay. Yeah. Back earlier on in the season. Uh, yeah, honestly – I wasn't totally expecting it. I thought Georgia would put up more of a fight, but man, um, Brian Robinson, dude, like he's just insane. Um, I know uh, he just had a career high in yardage against Cincinnati, but even back in the SEC championship game against Georgia, like that was kind of his breakout game. And I think once again, he's kind of going to be like that, um, that key to victory right here for Alabama um, in the, uh, in the championship game now. So uh, yeah, I wasn't totally expecting it. But honestly, I'm not going to say that it was so far-fetched either. And I, I really do believe in Alabama's, like, 
you know, chances? Um, I did not think Bama was going to drop 41 points on Georgia's defense. Nobody thought any team in the country could do that. But to say that I didn't see it coming with Bama beating Georgia again in the SEC title, I, I can't say that I couldn't see it coming. But um, I did not think it'd be that bad. Yeah, I didn't think so either because, you know, coming into the SEC championship, it was Georgia's defense was so hyped up and they were talking about how they only allowed this amount of touchdowns throughout the season or whatever it was, how they only allowed this certain amount of points. And it just seemed like it was a David versus Goliath situation. And then Bryce Young, a true freshman, goes in there uh, – you know, just slicing their secondary up like it was nothing. And I don't know. I don't – I didn't watch much of the SEC championship game, but from what I did watch, it seemed like Georgia's bread and butter, their defensive line, like they were taken out of the game, like they made no impacts. And Jordan Davis, um, the player that's most well-known on that defense, it just didn't seem like he was getting to Bryce Young at all. So I just want to ask if you think that any adjustments will be made in the championship, do you think they're going to bring that pressure on Bryce Young? Yeah, I mean, I think that's honestly Georgia's key to success here. I mentioned Alabama with their running game earlier, and I think this is Georgia. So like you mentioned, Georgia is kind of like that team that prior to that game versus Alabama in the SEC championship, dude, they were being hailed as like one of the greatest defensive units ever in college football like their defense was great um but one thing that i think is really interesting to note is in that game that they got completely dominated 41 points on their head uh they were only bringing four people on pressure against bryce young and bryce young was completely eating that alive and i think all i need to do here in the in the uh in the championship game here is just bring more than four uh if they bring five or six players down into the line crush them in, maybe bring some linebackers in to make those plays like Nolan Smith. Uh, I think that's honestly going to be their key to success here. And I think that's something that they should try to utilize in this game now. I The only problem that I have with that is it felt like the few times Georgia did put pressure on Bama or attempt to, they just got the ball out of um, Bryce Young's hands just as quick as possible. And as long as they're getting the ball out of his hands as fast as possible, I don't know, like, how big of a threat the Georgia's rush game is going to pose to that or their blitz game. Yeah, that is true because they have Jamison Williams, who is a speedster, and you can just get it to him on the check down. He'll get you five to ten yards easy. So, yeah, I do – I agree with both of you on that statement, but it's just a matter of which adjustments they're willing to make. And I'm, I'm curious to see what they do. Because how how do you stop that? You have this great defensive line, but you also have one of the best offenses in the nation, if not the best, that can counter everything you do. So, you know, it's two of the best coaches in the game. And what, what do you think their plan of attack will be, especially Alabama's offense? Uh, for Alabama's offense, uh, like I mentioned earlier, I think really like Brian Robinson is going to be their key here. Um, I know I forgot their name. Um, the name of their wide receiver that's not playing in the game. I know they have uh Jamison Williams, but which one's the other one? John Mitchie. Yeah, so obviously they don't have him. 
Um, obviously, they can still utilize Jamison Williams, but having Brian Robinson, especially coming off a career game against Cincinnati, I think he's going to be their key to success. I know that this Alabama offense is not necessarily a run heavy, but I think that's maybe where their success lies, considering that they had Brian Robinson. And then they can use Jamison Williams and their other wide receivers and Bryce Young, obviously, to uh, to catch them off guard once they continue utilizing that run game. And I know Mechie's out, but they also have a backup. I'm not sure if he's a freshman or not, but Ja'Cory Brooks, you know, with Bama's roster, is just plug and go because they have so much talent. So you can just get it to Ja'Cory Brooks. He's another speedster as well. He's, he's no John Mechie by any means, but he's just somebody else that you can plug in. Yeah, I mean, honestly, uh, not to discredit anything from the Alabama players because they're all extremely talented and really good players. But I think that, you know, succeeding in the Alabama offense is something that is just it comes so natural when you have a coach like Nick Saban. If you have the talent to be on his offense, you're going to succeed in his offense just because of how good um, of a coach he is and how you said it's kind of like plug and chug. Uh, you can throw pretty much any talented player in there and they're going to succeed and I think honestly that's what makes Alabama so dangerous which is why I keep saying I think this is going to get their their second straight here so are you implying that these players are system players no no no. like I said like not to discredit anything from them because I do think they're talented and I do think that you know they can come into the NFL and even participate in other offenses and do well I mean we saw Jalen Hurts leave Alabama go to Oklahoma and still play well um but I I just do think that it is very you're, you're more likely to succeed in Nick Saban's offense than if you were somewhere else even with the same talent it's kind of hard to describe because I don't really feel like they are system players. I just think it's easier to succeed in Saban's offense. Yeah, yeah. I see what you mean. Yeah, Marshall, what's your perspective on that? I 100% agree with him. Um, I don't think they're system players at all. I think there's a reason Nick Saban has, like, a top two recruiting class every year. It's because he goes into other people's backyards and gets their best recruits. I think that's where it starts, and I think he gets the – four and five stars that nobody else does he gets the x-factor players so getting to the point here what was your main prediction and actually before we get to the prediction who, who do you think is going to be the main x-factor for this game um I, I know I've said him so many times already, but I, yeah. I still really think, you know, <laughs> I think Brian Robinson, I think he's going to be the key to get for Alabama. And I think that Alabama is going to win the game because of big plays from him. Um, I think what I had um, mentioned earlier is going to be the biggest thing for Bama is getting the ball out of Bryce Young's hand, because we saw what that Georgia defensive line did against Michigan, who a lot of people thought was the best offensive line in the country. So I just think, um, getting those quick passes out of his hands just as fast as possible when there's pressure coming in your face. I think that um, that's going to be the key to the game for Alabama. And I think they have plenty of weapons to help with that. You were talking about Ja'Cory Brooks. I was just about to bring his name up. He stepped in immediately and he just went off in that Cincinnati game on um, the freshman from Miami. So look for more of those younger guys to step up and catch those passes. Yeah. So for my prediction, I'm tempted to pick Georgia simply because they have a chip on their shoulder and they're trying to get revenge 
after that shellacking they got back in Atlanta. But and well, they also showed it against Michigan as well. They showed that they have anger, that they're ready, and they've proven that they're the team to beat that is Alabama. So I think it's going to be a tough fight. It's going to be a barn burner. And I can't bet against Nick Saban. I really can't. So I'm going with Bama again. And I also picked him in the SEC championship. Yeah, man, I feel like it's it's always a conversation every year, kind of like how you briefly mentioned. It's always who is the team to beat that's not Alabama. And it's always, you know, it's it's historically it's been like Georgia. I know Clemson had an off year, um, but it was like Clemson too. And whenever we see one of those teams do beat Alabama, it's because they have, you know, an incredibly amazing player like Trevor Lawrence back when he was with Clemson and stuff like that. Um, but honestly, like, man, like you said, it's just so hard to root against Bama all the time. So even though I know Georgia's actually favored by two and a half points, I got to give this one to Bama. I really, I really do think Bama wins this. Yeah, I think it's crazy. I, I think we all thought it was a little crazy that Alabama was the underdog against Georgia again, despite their impressive performance against Michigan. But um, I just can't, like you guys are saying, I can't bet against Nick Saban. Um, I think he wins. Is this number eight for him now? Can you confirm? Uh, I believe so. That this would be number eight. Yeah, yes. this would be number eight. I think he just he, he just keeps padding his stats. I think he's the greatest college football coach of all time. Never going to be surpassed. I'm going. I'm going 41-27 Bama. They'll they'll establish the run game early. Get those downfield shots. Get the ball out of Bryce Young's hands quick as possible. And I can't see them getting stopped now. The dynasty continues. Yeah, at least that's that's a bold one. That's that's a that's a big win. But honestly, I like it. I do I do think it's I do think that could happen for sure. I do too. At this point, I mean, I, I picked Bama to beat Georgia in the SEC championship, but I wasn't expecting a blowout of that nature. You know, it's just it seems every time they're even mentioned in the underdog conversation, they just smack us right back into perspective and exactly. I, I really can't, I can't see any other outcome right now just with the way they've been playing as of late and also to build off that point that AJ said a few minutes ago with having that major star like a uh, Trevor Lawrence Deshaun Watson Tim Tebow Cam Newton whoever that beat Bama in their runs. I, I feel like Georgia doesn't have that big impact player. I don't feel like Stetson Bennett is on that level or James Cook. I, I just don't feel like they have that huge superstar player that you can put all your attention towards. Yeah, I have to agree, honestly. I didn't really want to say it earlier, but yeah, I, I mean, although Stetson Bennett, he's a great quarterback. I don't think he's on the level of the ones we, we mentioned earlier. Um, so for that reason... 35-24, Alabama. Oh, yeah, absolutely not. And I think that that's the main reason that will be their downfall is I just don't think Georgia's offense has enough firepower to keep up with Bama. Uh, even with Georgia's defense being that good, I just don't see them stopping it. So, yeah, I got to go Bama 33, Georgia 17. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. I like it. I like it. All good predictions, I think. Yeah, usually on here when 
the two guests say a team and it's the same, I usually like to uh, go against the grain and pick the other team, but I, I can't do it right here. Like Marshall said, I can't bet against Nick Saban. So, yeah, I'm sticking to it, 33-17, and I'm, I'm pretty confident in that. Yeah, yeah we'll I'm, see. I'm pretty sure last time I was on here, I picked them to beat Ohio State. And I said that game would be close, but then it wasn't close at all. So maybe psychology will happen, and this one will be close. <laughs> yeah, what, what's you guys' plans for the game to watch it tomorrow? Uh, I'm probably going to head over to one of my friends' house here in Gainesville. We usually watch, you know, a bunch of sports games together. Uh, we're watching Clay Thompson's return tonight together. You know, we watch almost all the Heat games together. So I'm probably going to go over to his place tomorrow, maybe get some wings. I don't know turn on the Bama Georgia game and you know hopefully we'll see a good game hopefully it's not a boring one yes so for me definitely going to be with my fraternity we're going to watch that game at one of our houses um get some food out there have a good time we have a few Bama fans in my fraternity so I think it should be a fun time just hanging out yeah for sure man it's always a good time of year when the championship comes around even though Florida's not in it uh (laughs) Just the college football fan and me, uh, you know, loving the atmosphere and everything about college football is it right here. So, yeah, I'm excited to see it and, you know, probably going to make some dip or something and going to relax and enjoy it. And, you know, even though Florida is not in it, I always have that comfort that I don't have to stress about us losing the championship. So I guess that's a positive. Maybe not. I don't know how you see it. I never have that stress ever. <laughs> so. What about you, AJ? Nah, you know, I kind of just like to uh, take off the stress and just, you know, enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like, I don't really get that stress too much about sports, even though sometimes, you know, it's it's unavoidable. Exactly. Yeah, I just feel like when your team's on such a big stage and they make it there, it was, it was like the heat in the finals two years ago, for an example. Like, I, I just hate having that stress you know you make it to that point and you just want them to win so bad so it's good to relax and just watch two other great teams go at it while yours is rebuilding or doing whatever so yeah guys thanks again for coming on marshall how's your experience it's been a year uh yeah maybe a little (laughs) bit maybe a little might have had some interest changes like maybe a little bit rusty but yeah, man, thanks again for taking the time to come on, AJ, as well. Thank you. I appreciate it. I had a great time. Yes, sir. Thanks for having me. All right, guys, you have a great rest of your night. And as always, thanks for keeping it real. This was your host, Jay, and you just listened to Burner Talk. I'm out of here. Peace.